for coming out the great San Francisco, greatest city. And uh, the amazing uh, Fillmore and, uh, you know, the unbelievable. It's good to be alive, you know what I mean, isn't it? That's what I say. That's what I like. That, I find that to be the goodest thing there is. To be alive. And uh, the reason it's so good is because it's so bad to be dead. It's not like life's so fucking great, but compared to being smothered in earth. So I just, every day I'm happy not to, that's my goal in life is not to die. Everybody need a goal. And so that's my New Year's resolution every year. I go, I'm not gonna die. I think actually scientists should kind of look into that whole death thing because uh, they seem to focus on diseases. And uh, you know, I don't give a fuck about them because, you know, the guy go, hey, you got, uh, we fixed your uh, arthritis and they go, I'm still gonna die? They go, yeah. So that, I think, is the biggest problem. That's why I can't get behind politicians, you know, because they're always like, our biggest problem today is unemployment. And I'm like, what about getting old and sick and dying? <laughs> and they usher me out the back way, you know, but... Seriously, if there was a politician ever that said, by my second term, there will be no death, I'd go, I'm voting for that fucker. I'd, put, I'd just give that guy all my money and I'd sit on a chair. <laughs> Sometimes I actually think I won't die. You ever think that? You go, fuck it, I'm not dying. <laughs> but in your mind, when you know, you analyze, you realize, you know, like, like you know, my dad died and my grandfather died and my great-grandfather died, you know, and the guy before him, I don't know, probably died. <laughs> I think he died. Because <laughs> otherwise he'd be on uh, extra. No, I, I come from a long line of death. That's my point. That's my point. And so I fear it, you know, I fear it a lot. And I think most of us do, you know. But it's funny, like, how, like what we fear, how we're gonna die. It's always the ways we don't die, you know what I mean? Like we go, God damn, I hope a polar bear doesn't eat me. Or some crazy shit, you know? Or I hope an airplane, you know? I got an airplane today. You know, every time you get on an airplane, you go, I hope I don't die. But you never die on an airplane. Ridiculous. <laughs> or you go, I hope a terrorist does not attack and kill me. I hope that doesn't happen. You know, you're always afraid of that. But you think about it, what's the odds that a terrorist will attack and kill you? You know, almost zero, you know? But what are the odds that you will be attacked and killed by your own heart? <laughs> That's good. It's about 100%, you know, I think. Heart's not good. People think it is, but it isn't. People like hearts. They go, here's a Valentine's uh, heart. You go, oh, yeah. 
I go, that guy's got a big heart. I go, you better fucking watch it, Dan, because and attack and kill him. I don't know if he knows that. But that's what got my dad. His heart attacked and killed him, and he was lying on his bed, and boom, dead on the floor. You know, they said it was instantly. And my dad, he wasn't expecting it. He was looking for fucking Arabs and shit. And his heart <laughs> attacked and killed him. And he was dead, like, instantaneously. And uh, sad. We were all sad. When something like that happens, people will just try to make you feel better. They'll say anything, you know. One guy said to me, don't worry, Norm. He died in his sleep. He didn't feel a thing. And I was like, really? When his heart attacked and killed him? He didn't... <laughs> Because I wake up like if my cat walks across my belly. You know that? Like... I don't know if my dad was that sound asleep. One guy said he's in a better place. I said he's on the floor. Dead. Earlier he was alive on the bed. Now, that Tempur-Pedic pillar I bought him for Christmas. I'm, I'm no physician, but I think that's the better place over there. On the, uh, on the bed. Your only chance if you have a heart attack is if they get there early enough, they have these things called defibrillators, and what they do is they attack your hearse. Because that's the, all the heart understands is violence, you know? And, uh, so they get there early, they go, ah, and then your heart's like, ah, wah, I wasn't gonna kill him. <laughs> ah, that's, that's funny that you thought that. I was, I was just worried he was eating uh, too much eggs and shit. You actually get defibrillators. I, like, I urge you to get them, you know, because you can get them. I order them, you get them, and then you can teach your loved ones how to use them on you, and they even show how you can use them on yourself. And uh, so I sent away for them, and I'm getting them. And uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. As soon as I get the box, I am going to preemptively attack my hearse. <laughs> and before it does anything, I'll just be like, ah, my hearse, like, well, I didn't do anything. You go, fucking right, Sandy, you're not going to. On account I'm carrying around these fuckers with me wherever I go. So I think I'll go on a roller coaster now and eat a egg. <laughs> but that's all that'll get you, a heart attack or a cancer. That's the other thing, you know. My Uncle Bert, he's my great uncle, but we call him Uncle Bert. He got bowel cancer now. He's, uh, he's dying of it, you know. And, uh, or like uh, some people like to say, now they, see in the old days, a man could just get sick and die, you know? Now, they have to wage a battle. So, so my Uncle Bert is waging a, a courageous battle. <laughs> which I've seen, because I go and visit him, and this is the battle. He's lying in a hospital bed with a thing in his arm watching Matlock on the TV. <laughs> Instead of that battle, I, I got him the box set of Matlock. And... But it's not his fault. What the fuck's he supposed to do? Oh, I got you. 
It's just a black thing in his bowel. And the reason I don't like it is because in the old days, they go, hey, that old man died. Now they go, hey, he, he lost his battle. That's no way to end your life, you know. What a loser that guy was. Last thing he did was lose. He was waging a brave battle, but at the end, I guess he got kind of cowardly was what happened. And then the bowel cancer, it got brave. You got to give it to the bowel cancer. You know, they were in a battle. And then, what the fuck? And I'm pretty sure, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if the cancer dies, I mean, if you die, the cancer also dies at exactly the same time. So that, to me, is not a loss, that's a draw. That's a, you know what I mean? It's not like fucking, the cancer's gonna jump up and go, ah, I'm fucking Uncle Bert's wife. Where is he? I won fair and square. This where he works? Hi, name's Cancer. How are you? Where do I... You just throw me to my cubicle. <laughs> Bow. First name is Bow. <laughs> no, man. I wouldn't have no brave battle when I'm fucking dying. I'll tell you this. Because I'm not brave. So when the fucking sickle of death is over my goddamn neck, I'm going to be so cowardly. I'm, you know, I'm afraid of going on Ferris wheels and shit. You know? I'm not going to be brave. I don't care how old I am. I'll be 94. I'll be like, oh, please, oh. Take my grandson. Oh, he's young and fresh. I'd gladly make a deal with the devil if there's any... I've read that in literature. Anything, please. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? I always watch the news, and I'll tell you something about the news. I don't understand it. But it's for some reason I watch it. I don't even know why. But uh, I think I'm supposed to or something. So I'll watch it, and then the guy will come on, and he'll go, anyways, today the deficit. And I'll go, ah, I've heard that word. And the guy goes, today the Dow Jones NASDAQ Composite Index is uh, down. And then I go, ah, that's not good. <laughs> down. Up. I like when it's up. <laughs> that's my opinion on the... <laughs> Seems like there's too much news. Like, you know, because now they have... 24-hour news. Now, when I was a young boy, the news was half a hour. That was the whole news, you know? And a guy would come on, and he'd have a tie, you know, and shit, and he would say the news, and it was a half a hour long. Now, it's 24 hours long. Now, it turns out that back in the old days, when it was only half a hour, they had it about right. That's about all the news there is. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, there'd always be like a story, some fucking story at the end about a caribou or some horse shit. So there wasn't even enough to fill the half a hour. 
but 24 hours, way too long. So they have to keep repeating stories all the time and everything, and uh, they'll make up stories, you know? They do that a lot, make up things that aren't really news stories, but they have to, you know, fill the 24 hours, you know? And the one I noticed that they make up a lot, uh, this is the latest one I've seen. I see this all the time on the news. The newsman will come on and he'll go, he'll go, good evening, everybody. This is the newsman. Whatever he says, he's not going to say that. <laughs> and he goes, our top story tonight, a lady has vanished. <laughs> That's the story. And then he goes, let's go outside where there's another guy. So then they cut to outside. <laughs> And then there's a guy outside, and he's like, hey, listen, how's it going inside? <laughs> We're outside, and uh, we found out about this lady that vanished. Her name was Janice, and uh, they found her car here in the Taco Bell parking lot. And uh, don't worry about the car, it's fine. But uh, can't find hiding her hair of the lady. Well, back to you. <laughs> so, so then you're watching, you go, well, I don't give a fuck on account I never knew Janice in the first place. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm kind of happy it's Janice and not somebody I know. <laughs> but then what they do is they start telling you about Janice, you know? And they go, hey, we got found out some cool things about Janice. And you're like, no, that's cool. I don't want to hear it. They go, no, no, you want to hear it. They can't help themselves. So they go, let's go back to Bill. He's, uh, he's uh, still outside. And uh, how's it going, Bill? And Bill's like, it's all right. It's no inside, but it's cool. And uh, <laughs> anyways, we found out about Janice. Turns out she's a good lady. And uh, we found some friends of hers, and here they are. And then sure enough, they show a lady, and it says, friend of Janice. And uh, she says, I'll tell you something about Janice. You want to hear about Janice? Janice is a type of lady that you could always turn to. You know, you ever want to turn to somebody? Like if you got a problem or something, and you, you, know, you, know, you feel like you want to turn? <laughs> you ever do that? Or maybe your neck just hurts and you want to anyways. The point of it is that once you swiveled your head over this way, the person you'd most want to see in your eye line would be Janice. <laughs> And then they have Jan another friend of Janice that wasn't the first one. And she'll go, I'll tell you, Janice, oh my God. She was the type of lady that she could walk into a room and light up the whole room, you know? And she didn't have a fucking light or nothing like that. She would just somehow, through sheer tyranny of will, she could somehow <laughs> illuminate a room. I don't know. And that'd be Janice's third friend lady that's not one of the earlier two. And then she goes, I'll tell you about Janice. Is that who you're asking me about, Janice? <laughs> Janice was the type of lady that you could be talking to your best friend in a whole world. And then Janice come in and you go, fuck you, I'm talking to Janice. Because <laughs> Janice is better than you. Come on, let's face it. She's better than all of us. So anyways, then you're at home and you start liking Janice, you know what I mean? You start getting invested in her, you go, God damn, that Janice is cool lady. I would, I would like to meet her one day. That would be a lot of, fuck, I forgot she vanished. <laughs> ah, just my luck. <laughs> They'll find her. <laughs> then you get hope. 
That's not good. I don't give a fuck what Obama says. Hope is never good. <laughs> don't try it. it. Never works out. So you go, you go, oh man, they'll find Janice. They're putting pictures up of her on telephone poles. I think that had worked once. And, <laughs> and then the news keeps showing you more things about Janice, you know? And they'll show you like the video, home videos of her. You're like, God damn, look at that. She's eating a pizza. I like her hair like that. <laughs> They'll find her. And then you become obsessed with Janice. It's all you can think of, you know? You're at work, fucking just can't wait to get home agonizing over Janice, you know, and thinking about her with eating pizza and shit. And then you go home and your nights are just a fevered dreams of, you know, Janice and bangs and shit like that. And, and you, all you can do is turn on the TV and hope and, you know, and then one day, you know, they go, hey, more news on Janice. There's the Bill. He's still outside. And then Bill is like outside and he's like, here we are. Uh, where, as you can see behind me, they are scouring the woods. They're still searching for Janice, you know, and then you go, oh, fuck, not the woods. You know, that's not. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens in the woods. <laughs> I've seen enough of these fucking stories to know that Janice ain't coming bounding out of the woods anytime soon. That's it. She's like, hey, what's going on, everybody? I, I'm just taking a stroll through the woods. What are you taking my picture for? I was just, just I just take a stroll through the scraggly woods. Now, if they find you in the woods, they always find you in the same place. Every time, they will find you in a uh, shallow grave. <laughs> I don't know why they don't just look there in the first place. That's, if I was the police chief, I'd go, listen, I want every shallow grave in the vicinity checked out. I want to clear out this case by Tuesday on account of... I'm running for DA or whatever. <laughs> but uh, doesn't shallow grave seem a mite rash? You know, like these serial killers are supposed to be so shrewd and cunning and everything, you know? At least according to the TV movies I've seen. And, uh, but then when it comes time for the grave, they get a little hasty, you know? <laughs> Oh, there you go, three twigs and a leaf. That ought to do it. That doesn't look like Janice anymore. I don't recall Janice ever wearing three leaves and a twig. Oh, well. Guess I'll come home and await the authorities now. You gotta prepare these things, you know? You gotta be a little smarter than that. You know, what I would do, and I would never, ever kill a lady in cold blood. I know I say that now, I don't really know. I, I can't predict the future, but I don't believe. I, I know there's no river long enough doesn't contain a bend, but I believe that right now, and it might just be vanity, I don't think I would, uh, I would kill a woman and pull a look. But if I did, I would plan it out very carefully, you know? Because there's a lot at stake. You know, you think about it, you probably, you know, 
probably lose your job. I don't know what happens. That's a blemish on the old CV, you know? Even in today's enlightened society, there remains a stigma to being a uh, psychosexual sadist. But uh, what I would do is I would, like, I would look at the lady, I would select a lady, and then I would follow her habits. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I would watch her very carefully, you know? I go, hey, I noticed that every day she goes to that cheese sandwich shop, and then she comes out with a little paper bag. I'll bet you anything there's a cheese sandwiches in there. You know? So then I keep that in my head, you understand? Then I'd say, hey, I notice every Wednesday evening, she goes with her other lady friends and they go down to the YWCA and they play basketball with each other, which is fine nowadays, you know? So what I would do is on Wednesday, I would go down to the YWCA and what would I be uh, holding in my right hand in the parking lot but a cheese sandwich? <laughs> So then she would eventually come out of the YWCA, you know, all sweaty with her, uh, you know, her ridiculous three-colored ball and everything there, you know? And then I'd be standing there. And then she'd go, hey, what's in your right hand? And I'd go, nothing? I'd be coy, you know? And she'd go, she'd go, there's something in your right hand. I'd go, listen, lady, who knows more about what's in their right hand? You or me? I'd believe, oh, this. Now, this is just a cheese sandwich. Why, you like it or something? What's... I got a whole fucking van full of them over there. Right over there. Yeah, yeah the, that craziest looking fucking van you ever saw? That's filled with cheese sandwiches. You don't have to have cheese sandwiches in the van, by the way. If you're, um, unless you want to be known for your detailed work, it's not, it's not really necessary. Then I would get the lady in the van and I would drive her to a remote area, an area most known for its remoteness. That's what I would look for. And anyways, I'd take her to the remote area where I had constructed a shed and then I would get her in there and I would do that thing that makes me feel like God. And, uh, and then her screams would just bounce off the walls and echo out into nowhere and never touch the ear of civilized man again. And then I would take her body to the woods and bury her in a very, very, very deep grave. That's, that would be most of my preparation. I would start digging the grave before I chose the victim. A couple years before, I'd be out digging a grave. But now, listen. I know this grimness. Although my buddy, I did want to say one thing about my buddy, Richie, who has a disease. And, uh, but it's, it's an interesting disease he has. He has the disease of alcoholism, alcoholism. 
And uh, he came to me, you know, and he told me. And uh, I like to look, I'm the kind of guy who likes to look at the bright side of things, you know. So I, I told him, I said, Richie, it's true that you have a disease and everything, but I think you got the best one. It's the only disease where you get to drink booze all the time. I, I haven't looked at every medical journal, but I believe it's the only disease where you can constantly drink booze. As a matter of fact, that is the disease. You know, and I don't think Richie would think of he'd had a disease. Like, I don't think Richie would go to my Uncle Bert and go, Hey, I understand you got bowel cancer. Ah, man, I know how you feel. I gotta drink a lot of booze. Those diseases, they're tough, those diseases, huh, Uncle Bert? Hey, what's your symptoms, Uncle Bert? Well, my bowel, I got blood pouring out of it all the time. I got bowel blood pouring out, gushing out of my bowel almost nonstop. And, uh... I got searing, clawing pains, ripping, tearing, you know, uh, mind-screeching bowel pains. And uh, they're combined with aching, dull, soul-deadening bowel pain. Those are basically my symptoms. How about you? I get happy. And, uh, you know... I tend to be able to talk to people easier, I find. <laughs> Sometimes I will meet a lady at a bar, got the same disease as I do, and I'll fuck her. But uh, that's in the latter stages of the disease, Uncle Bert. You gotta realize that. Know what I mean, Uncle Bert? But, um, no, but listen, man, I don't minimize what he does, though, because he's, he, he, you know, he admits that he's an alcoholic and that he's weaker than a ball, and that ain't easy to do. I couldn't do any of that shit. I'm too proud, you know what I mean? I got too much pride, you know? Uh, like uh, they say in the scriptures, pride goeth before the fall, you know? And he can somehow, you know, it's a very uh, beautiful thing he does. He goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, and he says, right in front of them, he says, you know, he goes in front of a whole room full of people, and he says, I am an alcoholic, you know? Which I know does not sound that anonymous. <laughs> I didn't name the group, but... Sounds like the exact opposite of anonymous. <laughs> Whatever. Like, to me, the alcoholics that... You know, the anonymous alcoholics, to me, would be like you guys. I don't fucking know. I, I can't tell, you know? But once you tell a whole church basement full of people, your cover's pretty well blown, but uh, anyways, it still requires a lot of... The only thing they seem to be anonymous about from the way I can gather it is they won't tell you their last names. Anything else goes, you know, but uh, not the last name. I don't know. Sometimes they'll say the first, like they'll go, I am Richie and I am an alcoholic, or the first initial. They'll say, I, my name is Richie K and I am an alcoholic. Then anything goes. They're like, ah, one time I... Uh, I remember I was under the influence of the demon rum, and, uh... I, God, I started, uh, punching my newborn in the face. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was... I looked down at my fist, and it was all bloody with, uh... 
don't know what it was. It was either from my knuckles or my son's skull. Yeah. I'm not telling you my last name. That's, that's none of your beeswax. As far as I'm concerned, a man should have a little, you know. Did I ever tell you about the time I blew a dog for a pint of gin? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did tell you. First initial's K, I'll give you that much. Richie K, but I'm not gonna tell you the last letters. Plus, you can memorize my face. But other than that, I would like to keep this completely anonymous. If there was just a way I could... And what better way to keep a secret when you think about it than tell a room full of drunks? That's not going any place, you know? As soon as the guys are relapsed, hey, Richie blew a dog for a pint of gin. He told a whole bunch of us. Right. I mean, I understand the dog had some gin. What are you going to do? Hey, Richie K, you know Richie K? I don't drink myself, you know, it's not because I'm no big guy, I'm just afraid, you know, I fear everything, you know, and uh, so I, I'm afraid to and stuff, but um, I used to, and now I don't drink, and when you're with people that drink, it doesn't, it doesn't work out, that's why that designated driver thing, I don't think ever worked out, I see ads for it again, like I think they're trying to resurrect that idea, but it's kind of a flawed notion, you know, it's like, hey Bill, listen, we were wondering if you'd come out with us. Here's the idea. <laughs> we want to go out and drink. And then we were hoping you'd come with us and not drink. <laughs> How's that sound to you? <laughs> we're going to go to a bunch of different bars and drink, and then you come with us and not drink. <laughs> also, we're not going to be driving. You're going to pick us up at our different houses go to a bunch of bars, not drink while we drink, and then drive us all home. How's that sound to you? How's, how's that catch you? That's like, I don't know, what's the catch? It sounds too good. There's some sort of... But I don't drink, and if you don't drink, I'll tell you something, bars are not a lot of fun because, you know, when you think about it, fucking all, you know, all it is is you're just sitting at a big oak table for four hours. That's not, that's not fun unless you're drunk. And then everybody else be drinking, you know what I mean? So their fun is going up and up and up, you know? It's rising. Their fun is escalating while your fun is staying exactly the same. And then by the end of the night, you don't even know what the fuck they're laughing about. Just... Everybody's laughing. And then they start resenting you for it. I've seen that, man. Uh, drunk people do not want a not drunk guy there. I know that. I've been there so many times. It always ends the same. Guy comes up to you and goes, Hey, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Cheer up! <laughs> ah! <laughs> then you're like, Oh, no, I'm having a good time, too. Don't take a wild swing at me when I'm not looking. <laughs> oh, 
I'll be driving you home later. This is a lot of fun. Worst thing about not drinking is, uh, is the sex, because if you're drinking, you can meet a girl, she'd be drunk, and then that very night, you can have sex with her, call it one night stand. Now, if you're not drinking, I don't know if you've ever had a one night stand dead clean sober, but I have, and it's not a lot of fun. You back to your apartment, you're like, all right, I guess I'll take my trousers off now, ma'am. And... No, I won't. Sorry about that. Well, goodbye. It's nice to meet you. I don't know what I was thinking. We're human beings. Once again, I apologize for the trousers incident. Very nice to meet you. Because booze, somehow, I don't know how it works, but it's some magic elixir where it takes away the, it makes you think that sex is not a dirty, filthy, shameful thing. I don't know how it does it, but it does it. And uh, in regular life, that's why sex is so tough to get going, because it's so shameful and filthy, and uh, obviously meant only for procreation. And so when you get, when you get, when you do it, you know, and my friend was like, oh, there's nothing shameful about sex. But I was like, of course there is. And I kind of, like, think about what you do before sex. You know what I mean? Like, you, you put the phone off the hook and everything like that. You make sure the kids aren't around, whatever, you know? You pull the blinds down, right? What's that? A shame? That's what blinds were made for. Pull down, shame. You don't pull the blinds down when you're making a nice uh, cherry pie for old Witta Hamilton, huh? I notice they stay up for that. Poor old Witta Hamilton. Her osteoarthritis now has become so bad. I don't know if you know Witta Hamilton, but uh, really her, her only joy is the later years has become her pies and uh, her osteoarthritis has become so bad she can't knead anymore. You know, I have to knead. Well, she's now lost her ability to knead. Anyway. No, I'm just saying, I don't want to boast or anything, but if it wasn't for me and some of the other members of the community, I, I don't know if the old bird would still be with us. But that's not the point. The point is sex. It's a filthy, shameful thing. And, like, I, one time I read this. This is the thing I read uh, uh, by a scientist. It was in one, of, in one of those big science books, you know? Or else it was one line in USA Today. I can't remember. But, but it said this. It said, scientists now say that a man thinks about sex once every 7.3 seconds. Now... Now, of course, that's horseshit. Like, how could that possibly be, you know? You can't, we couldn't walk down the street, ah, cock, pussy, ass. Now you blow your fucking head off by the second thing. And also, I'm a man. I don't need no scientist telling me nothing. I know what I think once every 7.3 seconds. Plus, I don't like when they use decimals like that. I could have said once every 10 or 15 seconds. You know, yeah. Prove he was a scientist. But anyways, 
I know what I think once every 7.3 seconds. I'll just be walking down the street, you know, you're just, you know, you're like, doodly-doo, hey, there's a building. doop de doop dee Hey, look at that, guy wearing cowboy boots over there. How about that? <laughs> doodly-doo. I wonder if I should wear cowboy boots. <laughs> nah, I'm too old for that, sir. <laughs> oh, there's that building again. <laughs> hey, my ass is itchy over here. Scratch my ass out here in the streets. Hey, Willie Nelson still wears cowboy boots. Billy Joe Shaver, too. And those fellas must be well on uh, three score and ten. Anyway, it's just a bunch of meaningless gibberish. That's my point. But it's not sex. And then the real time, this is the amount of time that you think about sex. Every once in a while, which is... Not, not a science, scientists don't like that term. But every once in a while you think about it, and uh, you know, uh, like I think about every couple days, or if you're a younger man, you probably think about it more, you know what I mean? But then the problem becomes, when you think about it, is all you can think about. You know what I mean? It just encompasses your whole brain. You know, you're just like, ah! Like a, like a fucking werewolf or something. Like, usually you're a civilized human being. But then every couple of days, you're like, ah, ha. <laughs> ah And then you gotta close the blinds, you know? And then, and you, ah, ah, the bedroom, you gotta go back to the bedroom. Yeah, yeah, take a good lady back there. Ah. And then you go to your bedroom, which normally I love the bedroom. It's the most beautiful place where you can, you know, finally escape this hellish joke we call life and just. You know, lie on your Tempur-Pedic pillar and uh, dream of jelly rolls and stuff like that. But now when you're in this state, you know what I mean? Then you go in and you're like, ah! And the things that you do in that bedroom, good Lord God, it's, it's beyond the imagination of you as a civilized human being most of the time. You know what I mean? You're in there you're like, ah! Ah! Your fucking mind's gone. Your mind is gone. That's all I know. You ever actually say things that you're doing? Your mind's fucking so gone. You're like, I am fucking you. Ah! My cock is going. Ah! Then the lady's like, Yeah, I know. Whatever. You have to say it. Ladies don't have that ah thing. They're, they're more elevated. I don't know what they... I can't speak for ladies. I don't know what the fuck they do in, in the bedroom. I think they just try to make a noise they think you will like, you know? That's why. They're like, uh, woo, how's that? You're like, that's fine. Ah! <laughs> girls don't have the same thing. You know if you, how you can really know that is you ever be having a sex with a lady, the phone rings, lady can answer the phone. Whilst you're having sex, she's like, oh, yes, that's good, whatever that is. Ah. And then the phone rings, she's like, hello? And you're like, ah. She's like, oh, hi, Marcy, what's going on? Well, you're not going to get it back because it's surely... Well, don't... No, it's not you, honey. It's... You're too good. It's... 
don't you remember the blouse? Look, sweetie, I'm on your side. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll have a, uh, we'll go to lunch, have a, um, uh, endive salad, whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know what a lady's eat. And then they can go back, you know, and go, go ahead, you know, and you're like, ah. But the point is, a guy could never, the guy would never answer the phone. It would be impossible. You know, you could be like, ah, the ding, ding, ah, hello. Ah, oh, yeah, hey, Frank, what's going on? Yeah, I remember that shirt. What, about that? Ah, I gotta go. Ah. You know. Frank's clearly not getting his shirt back, but got no time for it, you know? You got your head's gone. But I'll tell you when you know sex is the most shameful, when you feel it the most, is a moment after sex. The moment, the smallest amount of time in physics, the moment, right after sex, that's when you're just a vessel of shame, you know? You're just lying there like, ha, ha, ha. Well, that was odd, huh? <laughs> I guess I'll go get some sour cream and onion chips now. <laughs> I'd prefer if we never spoke of this again. Would that be okay? That's why I never understood God, guys add more shame to it. You know what I mean? As if it's not shameful enough, some people will pile on more shame. You know what I mean? Like, you ever read about those guys like they wear a rubber suit or some fucking thing and a lady will whip their balls or I don't know what the fuck. But it all ends up the same. You know, you're so like, ah. But now you got a crazy get up on you. You're like, all right then. Why don't you go turn on Matlock and uh, I'll take these rubber trousers off and put those in the hamper. So I'm very ashamed of sex and everything. Some people are proud of it though. I have met guys that are proud of their sexual like prowess. You ever hear that word? I read that once. It's, uh, it means like the, how good they are at sex. They'll pra brag about it. They'll go, I'll tell you, man, what I'm good at is, uh, you know, fucking and sucking. <laughs> Seems like the oddest thing, you know, because how hard is sex? You know, it's one of the easiest things that you could, it's not like darts or something, you know? <laughs> you ever played darts? It's like, oh, what? Triple, I can't. I keep getting four. I don't know, but sex couldn't be simpler. I think there's only like five things you can do in the whole fucking thing. You, know? you ever think you invented a sixth? You're like, what about this? Ah! And later you go, ah, in all humility, I guess that was pretty close to number five. You know who's really, you know really proud of their sex? You ever hear guys with small cocks talk about it? Small cock guys, them guys, holy lord. Can't talk about it enough. They even got poems, you know, they'll say, ah, oh, it's not the motion of the ocean, it's the boat of the lotion. I don't know. I don't know the, I don't memorize the poems, but. I've even heard variants of the same poem. It's like, it's not that tree of the size, it's the axe that you wax with the... But, uh, it's, 
It's a whole subgenre of poetry now that's taught in many of our finer institutions. <laughs> Turns out guys with small cocks, nothing they like more than just spouting free verse at home about their... <laughs> and the, <laughs> the subtext of every one of these beautiful poems is uh, it doesn't matter how big your cock is, it's what you do with it. You know? Like the guy with the giant cock would have no clue. You know, how would, how would he possibly know? It's like, what do you do? You put it in and then you, you time stomp that on it. It's ironic, everyone wants my giant cock, but I don't think I'll ever solve this rubric. I don't know. I, if only it was smaller and easier to maneuver. I can't, I can't figure it. I don't. <laughs> oh, man. The fucking camera, who fucking taking a picture? What the fuck are you doing? You just like that? I just clearly likes that lady. It's like a half an inch away from her vagina with a camera. We got the TV here. The TV's with us. You guys are going to be on the TV. Mostly it's going to be me talking, and then somehow it'll cut to a shot of this lady's vagina. I quite understand. Has he given you his business card yet? Now listen, man. Hey, it's great to be here in San Francisco. Uh, this is the first week of uh, uh, the golf, you know, and Tiger is uh, my favorite golfer ever, you know. And he's, you know, he went to Stanford, if you guys don't know that, which is awesome. And uh, I'm hoping this is his year, man, because I feel bad for the guy, you know. And uh, God damn, it's too bad that happened and everything. And, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just hope he does good, that's all I'm saying. It was funny, at the time it happened, I, I, you know, you get so, like, uh, naive about things, you know what I mean? Like, like, I remember I was, like, outraged and everything. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, you know? Like, I don't know what I thought his life was, but I remember at the time going, what? I don't believe you. Are you telling me, you're t are you trying to tell me that that guy is worth six billion? You're telling me that the world's greatest athlete over there, Tiger Woods, you're telling me that... That that guy, that super handsome, charismatic dude, likes to lie down with ladies? I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy that for one second. Doesn't make any sense. And then when it turned out to be true, I was all like outraged like an idiot, you know? I was, I was like, ah, I don't like hypocrites. I don't care for that. I, he always presented himself in public as a golfer. <laughs> I would see him on TV be hitting a golf ball and shit and a golf ball would get near the hole. That's what I thought. <laughs> I didn't know he was leading some kind of double life where he was golfing by day and laying down with ladies at the night. <laughs> if I'd known that, I never would have bought the fucking Buick in the first place. You know? <laughs> Now, I'm driving down the street and I'm viewing people snickering at me. 
I don't know. I don't know what I thought his life was. I try to remember back, you know, because when you look, of course, it makes complete sense, you know. It's, you know, what do you think? Like, he's like, hey, Tiger Woods, I just won the, the Tiger Slam. Why, well, I've stepped from the Clara Jug and I've hoisted the Wanamaker Trophy. Here I am trying on my second green jacket. What should I do tonight? I know, I'll go back to my hotel room alone all by myself. <laughs> That'll be fun. I understand there's a Card Sharks Marathon on GSN tonight. <laughs> I'll invite Mark Kalkovecki over and we'll have a, have a grand old time together. What the fuck? I'll just get some uh, room service. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'd like to... Oh, hi. What's your name? Christine. Christine. Yeah, listen, I'd like to get a chicken breast sandwich. No, I don't want a blowjob to end all blowjobs. I want... <laughs> A chicken breast sandwich with a pickle. Can I get a pickle with it? Can I get an eighth of a pickle? Like lengthwise sliced? So I would just have one eighth? Do you have anything like that down there? But see, I don't think that he's like a... The people think of him as a sexual predator or something, you know? But like, and they, like the... But I don't think that. I think the girls went after him. You know, I don't think he's trolling through Perkins trying to find waitresses, you know? <laughs> I think it's like he's in Perkins with his lovely wife enjoying a piece of pie, you know? And then he leaves, and then the waitress runs out, and she goes, oh, you forgot the, this thing. Plus, I'll, I'll fuck you tomorrow if you come back. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he has the, you know, uh, the temptations of the flesh uh, all the time, you know? And... So, you, you know, you got to take that into account, you know. <laughs> and Tiger, he's not like us. He's not like a regular guy. He's like a rock star. A regular guy, you know what I mean? He doesn't have that much. How, like a guy like me and you, how many times would we have a chance to commit adultery? In our whole lives, we might have ten opportunities, you know? Probably think it's ten. Probably only six. But... <laughs> So let's say it's 10. So we, we stray once. That's 10%, you know, of our 10 to twice, 20%. Now, Tiger maybe had 60, 70 women. What about the 3 million that he didn't fuck, that he could have? <laughs> you got to factor those gals in, you know? Now, when you do that, I did it on a little uh, calculator. It turns out that Tiger only had sex with 0.000000002% of the women. He could now. Statistically, that's zero percent. From, from a strictly mathematical point of view, Tiger is the most faithful man who ever lived. That's my point. So, God bless him, and uh, I hope he does well at the Masters, because, you know, he's got a, uh, you know, he's trying to catch uh, Nicholas and Sneed and so forth, and, you know, I've wasted... 16 years of my life watching the fucking guy and uh, he's got a date with destiny and I'm not talking about some lady at the Spearman Rhino I'm a literal destiny he has a date with but anyways oh so San Francisco man what else what else is San Francisco famous for oh guys sucking and fucking each other yeah, 
They're equally proud, by the way. They're just as proud as uh, straight people. They're sucking fucking. As a matter of fact, every year they get they they're so proud they have a parade for it. It's called the Gay Pride Parade, and uh, it's an odd thing to me because I'll tell you something. When I was a boy, you know, and uh, I'm older than you fellers, but when I was when I was when I was uh, six years of age, I remember my dad showing me on the television there was a parade because Neil Armstrong and the boys, why they had gone to the moon. They, here man had touched the, the satellite that, that whirls around our whirling cinder. And then they came back. Now, they had a parade for them. My dad had me watching on his little Philco TV that he kept uh, in the kitchen. And uh, he, he said, I remember he said, watch this, son, you know. And Neil Armstrong and the boys were going down, ticker tape, Fifth Avenue. It was like a very majestic moment. Now, this is how parades have, in my mind, devolved a little. <laughs> Now, it's a bunch of guys who like sucking and fucking each other. <laughs> Am I supposed to bring my kid on my shoulders? Hey, look at that. Enjoy your cotton candy. There's some more guys who like sucking and fucking each other. <laughs> and they like doing it. I don't think you get a parade for something you like. like if they didn't like, maybe then I'd show up. You know what I mean? If they, if it was like, I don't like it, but God damn it, I'll do it for my country. Ah! <laughs> then I'd go, son, that man's a patriot. <laughs> he understands there's greater than the individual. There's... But there is one very touching moment, because a guy took me to this gay pride parade, and the most touching moment makes you cry, is there's the parents of the adult gay uh, children, and they're holding, like, uh, signs and stuff, you know? And it's the most moving uh, part of it. And, uh, well, first of all, they're not dancing around in leather and shit. And, uh, <laughs> but you see them, and some of these guys are old fellows, you could tell, you know, are in Korea and stuff, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so, and they, and they carry signs that say, you know, I am proud that my son is gay, you know? And it's so beautiful, but I still, I, I think they're choosing the wrong words because pride, again, I don't, you know, like there's a difference between accepting and loving and everything like that, but, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's bragging about it down at work or anything, you know? <laughs> He goes, hey guys, come over here, man. I want to tell you something about my youngest son, Bill. McCluskey, get over here. I want to tell you about Bill. We're so proud of him. He, uh, he graduated Harvard this year, top of his class. Gonna be a lawyer. What do you think of that, huh? You can use a McCluskey next time you get in trouble. Ah, my son, none of us McPhersons ever graduated the fifth grade. We're all just a bunch of chunks of coal, but ah, it's all gonna change now. Our young son, Bill. Tell you something else we're proud of him for. He... <laughs> he was on the junior varsity basketball team. And uh, in a span of seven games, he had four triple doubles to end the season. What do you think of that, huh? Unbelievable. Also loves cock. I don't know. If... In his mouth, up his ass. This kid, he doesn't care. 
I don't know how he does it. I can't do it myself. Yeah. I said, Bill, can't be a lawyer. I got a picture of him. He's going to be articling in uh, Greenwich next year. There he is. He's graduated. That's the, his graduation picture. Look at that, huh? With his robes there and the mortar board. You know, look at It's the hat, McCluskey, ignorant bastard. They call it that. Look at him there, huh? What a picture. You can't see it in the picture, but he's got eight cocks wedged up his ass. And of course, you can see the fine spray of jizz arcing over his tongue as he greedily laps it up. Well, well. I feel so much pride when I see that picture. Pride is the thing that I most feel. Listen, folks, I just want to say uh, San Francisco's uh, awesome, and uh, I'm from L.A., and uh, hey, we can't wait to get your football team. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. And um, O.J.? Well, I've changed my mind on O.J. No, I'll tell you what I feel about O.J., I, as much as I was indignant about his uh, acquittal, I'm equally indignant about his, uh, his uh, going to prison for stealing his uh, fucking own shirts. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I don't think if you steal your own shirts, you should get 35 consecutive life sentences. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair to me at all. And... Now he's probably saying, I wish I got fucking, uh, you know, I wish I was put up for the other crime. Because here's the thing. In prison, they have a pecking order. <laughs> now, in the pecking order, one of the top people on the pecking order are the double murderers. <laughs> They're way up high. Very well-respected members <laughs> of the, uh, of the <laughs> gray bar, you know, community. But guys who steal their own shirts, they're at the lowest of on the pecking order. And the pecking order involves a lot of ass-fucking, basically. And uh, so I feel sorry for OJ, because I'm sure he's going, wait, I fucking killed two fucking people. I killed a waiter and my wife savagely. And they're like, we saw the fucking trial. If the glove don't fit, you can't acquit. You stole a jersey and nothing more. Now get your fucking ass over here. I have to fuck it. No. There you go. God bless you, folks. I love you very much. Thank you so much.